It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hey there, welcome to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Here for you Monday through Friday. Today is the Friday post-Celtics Atlanta defeat. 123-116 Atlanta over Boston in a game that took 82 hours to finish. We're the Rain and Jays, John Corrales, Sam Packard, and let, let's just dive into this because I'm hot, I'm heated. It's way too late. We're recording at 11 p.m. The game started at eight or like 8:10. Normally, a game goes two and a half hours, even with all the bullshit. It goes about two and a half hours. This game just ended at 11 o'clock because the fourth quarter took forever. We need to fix end of game situations. For good. The competition committee needs to sit down. We need to stop with all the bullshit timeouts. We need to get, as much as I rail on the college game, we need to get a little more of the college game at the end of these NBA games. Because this game was over a long time ago, and they needed to just end it. Enough of the enough of the timeouts. Enough of the reviews. It was over. Just cut the shit. Let's... Get out of here. We're gone. We're done. God. Whew. The oh, reviews that. are the really the part that frustrates me the most because it just feels like be, like because they have the technology, they feel the need to use it. And it's just like we trust the ref's judgment on so many things, but then it's like, oh, well, Jay Crowder kind of looked like he got hurt a little – maybe got hurt a little bit. Let's review something that's clearly a common foul or – just it's in the last two minutes, so we have to review something. It's just that's the frustrating part. Is just there, there's needless stops in the game. Now this game, like it's a TNT game, so it's uh, it's gonna go long. There were a shit ton of foul calls in that fourth quarter, and really throughout the whole game. So I understand that, but it's the reviews that really kind of piss me off, just because it they don't seem necessary, and I don't remember there being like I just don't know what the consequence would be if there was like a that many. 
Like, I understand reviews in the final two minutes, but just, like, earlier in the game, no one's going to be that pissed off if a ref misses a call because there's so much basketball left to play that, I don't know, it's just, it's frustrating. It's late. The Celtics played like shit for the, uh, for the first half. All of this is coming together for uh, just a, a not a happy podcast to start. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I feel like we just needed to blow off some steam off of uh, off the top there. Um the end of games, those reviews, the we we are a slave to the technology and we're let let's be honest. The the game is all of professional sports are slaves to gambling. And that's where the precision comes into play where as much as like, I don't bet on sports. I'm a gambler. I'll go play uh table games, blackjack craps. I love, I love to go to Vegas and, and do that stuff, but I don't bet on sports, but people do. A lot of people do. A lot of people bet on the NBA. And if there's point two on the clock that shouldn't be on the clock, or if there isn't point two and Marcus Smart throws up a heave and that somehow covers the spread. That's millions and millions of dollars worth of just changed bets. And the NBA just won't, they won't give that up. They won't piss off Vegas. They won't, they, they need to be precise. That's why injury reports are so uh, necessary. That that's a, a, a multi-billion dollar industry, daily fantasy and all that crap. DraftKings and uh, whatever other crap there is out there. I don't play it. But all of that stuff plays into games like this where they extend things for 20 minutes because they need every point one tenth of a second to be precise. They need every out of bounds, even if it doesn't matter. In the overall scheme of things, in the win and in the loss, they need all of that stuff to be precise because it could mean the difference between covering the spread and not covering the spread, and that's where we get into this crap. And I just wonder, without rules changes, if we're ever just going to finish basketball games with normal flow and normal calls, or, or, or if we're just going to be a slave to this forever. I mean, if that's the case, let's just bring Tim Donaghy back and start having the NBA just, <laughs> just cook games well, because I feel like that's like a, a faster game that's on, uh, not on the level seems preferable at this point. But I don't know how much of this is the actual flow of the game or how much of the uh, fact is that the, the Celtics got down by 16 at halftime and just um, played like crap for the majority of that basketball game. They I don't did. Know where the frustrations lie here? I think uh, it's a little bit of both, but I think it's uh, one might be asking for the other. You know what this is like? This is like the recent trend of of teams that get pissed off at the end of getting blown out, and then they the the video services like an hour later of them doing the exact same same thing that they were pissed off about, like the uh, the wizards. The wizards the, are the prime the, example. Right. Of that. Right, exactly. Brandon Jennings got all uppity about like uh, uh, um, what's his face from Golden State, uh, the Javale, Javale McGee, hitting, uh, taking the three, and then like an hour later, video of four end of blowout threes from the Wizards shows up, or the Raptors getting pissed off 
at Lance Stevenson taking a layup, which was bullshit. I admit that was bullshit. But then out comes an hour later of DeMar DeRozan and you know other guys hitting end of blowout dunks and layups. So this is kind of, sort of, something like that where it's, I'm pissed off about like the that. game, but I am just taking my aggression out on the end of end of game officiating and review and but honestly like legitimately it should this game that started just past 8 p.m. should not have ended at 11 that is 3 hours that is major league baseball and if there's nothing else i want to retain my right to be uppity and snooty about basketball being quicker than baseball, and I'm pissed off that the NBA took that away from me tonight. Damn right. We're basketball fans. You know who would be the first two people pissed off if they missed a call in the last five minutes and didn't review it and it went against the Celtics? <laughs> Absolutely. The Raining Jays. <laughs> All right. We're, really what we're masking right now is our frustration over, uh, I guess, a collapse that started a lot earlier than than we thought it would because the Celtics – were they I mean they were they were going kind of going back and forth and then there was a big run at the in the first quarter where the Hawks took a 32-24 lead. Uh the second quarter was not much better, but they they changed things up where like the Hawks still outscored the Celtics by 8, but the Celtics changed things up. So let's let's throw the negative out for a second and look at the second quarter and if we could just kind of uh, I, let's just look at this as a as, as a positive development here and and the potential for Jay Crowder playing 10 minutes in the second quarter as opposed to Avery Bradley doing it and this new sort of rotation that Brad Stevens has has thrown out there Crowder scored 13 points in the second quarter. That was actually pretty good, different. I liked it. Yeah, it, it, Brad shortened his bench tonight. He At least to start the game, he only went with eight guys, something that I suggested last night on the Raining Jays, so he must be a listener. But uh, it feels like this is what they're going to be doing headed into the playoffs. And it was finally a game in which the Celtics did not completely suck with Isaiah Thomas on the bench. Um, really, they started off that quarter um, pretty well and then fell down actually once Isaiah got back in the game. Um, but I just was felt a lot more comfortable with that lineup out there it, that was in the second quarter. It was Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, but then it was still um, Al Horford, Jay Crowder, and I think Kelly Olynyk was also in there. But just having those two starters in the game um, just felt uh, a lot more stable. And I think that's going to be what the Celtics do uh, heading into the playoffs. You don't expect them to struggle uh, with Isaiah in the game. He was actually kind of game high 35 points was actually, but also game low minus 20, kind of a, the, the enigma that is Isaiah Thomas. But I think it's a, it was, a, I guess, a step in the positive direction. They got to find someone to kind of anchor that that unit. And if tonight it was Crowder who steps up, maybe that's a possibility moving forward, but it's, they, they got to uh, figure something out because they've just played, I feel like, ever since the 
Milwaukee game, they haven't really strung together a great game other than playing against the, the Knicks, which I don't really think counts. So I'm not sure what the, what the exact issue is, but I like the idea of kind of just shortening the rotation and shortening the bench because the, those eight players uh, feel like you can rely on them and they're going to be a lot more consistent than uh, players on the end of the bench like Jarebko or like Rozier. So who knows? Maybe the Celtics can kind of build on the, the momentum of the second half and actually when they played a much better defense than they did in the second quarter – and use that moving forward with the, just kind of a, that core eight players. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting how the the bench rotation plays out uh, when we look at what happened tonight. The the Celtics and Brad Stevens, I think, kind of tried to come up with a new a little bit of a new plan, and you know maybe that new plan cost us uh, a career game. Uh, by Torian Prince, you know, that's just a byproduct of of how this all worked out. But maybe in the end, this is a a positive development. But uh, really, are we are, are we trying to put lipstick on a pig here? The Celtics still on the back to back in Atlanta. They, they have been okay on back-to-backs, and Atlanta is a nemesis. To lose this game the way they did, to, to go down so big early and not be able to recover, I, I don't know. There, there are going to be a lot of people out there that just are afraid of what this team is. And I think... I guess where we are, I think this is a, a bit of a reality check that the Celtics aren't the contenders that they may ha- their record might say they 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 might be. And Brad Stevens has said a number of times, we're not as good as our record shows. And I think we're starting to see that. He has said we're not as good as our record shows and this Celtics team right now that has compiled 50 wins. They're 50 and 29. They're one of five 50-plus win teams in the NBA. A record that says they should be awesome, but the past two games suggest that Brad Stevens is right. They're not as good as their record says they are. I'm I'm a little... uh... Still more optimistic about the Celtics. I mean, we saw what the Cavs just went through a terrible kind of stretch of games where they had a terrible month of March, and then they came in and put the beat down on on the Celtics. I don't think these two games are indicative of the kind of the Celtics potential as a whole. And you're right there. They're not playing great, and it's not the best time to be playing like that. But I still... I still think this Celtics team has uh, the potential to make an Eastern Conference Finals, and I'm not... Um, worried about them at all in the first round of the playoffs. It's just uh, sometimes you have bad games and sometimes they pile back. I think that you can actually take this game in the actual, in the most optimistic view possible is that they didn't, they kept on fighting. They didn't kind of wilt away like they did in the Cavs game. And I, maybe this is just kind of all silver linings here, but they actually fought back and made this game close. We saw Marcus Smart make five threes in the game, which is not something We've all talked about how terrible his three-point shooting has been uh, since the All-Star break. 
So maybe this is the game that gets him back on track. This wasn't the Celtics firing at all cylinders. Avery Bradley, uh, he, despite finishing the game with 17 points, most of those game points came um, late on layups and kind of the kind of last-ditch, fast-break attempts. His shot still is not back. Um, and then we still – Al Horford had a, a terrible game. He was only one for eight, four points. Did not – only played 27 minutes because he was in foul trouble. So I just don't think this this performance or, or um, the previous night's performance against the Cavs are really is indicative of the Celtics kind of their full potential and what they can be in the playoffs. And so I don't I don't think it's doom and gloom right now because at, at the end of the day the playoffs they're going to get rest in between every game. Uh, there's going to be just uh, more focus, more locked in, and. I don't know. I think I think the Celtics will will be all right. Would I prefer them winning? Absolutely. But I don't know um, how indicative th- this is of how they're going to play in the playoffs. So I still have some hope. I'm still a Celtics optimist, and I just like the fact that they finished the game uh, fighting and didn't kind of give up and actually made the game close. And we saw kind of Marcus Smart do his thing, and it was. It's good in the. I think they're going to be fine in the end, and this is just a, a bad stretch. It just happens to be happening uh, in the final week of the season. Yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with you there. It's a little disappointing. I'm a little upset about it, and you, you would think that they would respond a little bit better than this. So let's, in the interest of not doing what the referees and the game did, we're going to move this along. Before we get to Jam's junk drawer. Let's get to, yeah, because we didn't get to it last night. We had technical difficulties. We, we had the, you know, we couldn't get to, to, to your thoughts on that game. So while you compile your Jams junk drawer thoughts, let's get to the Rain and Jays hashtags. We haven't been able to do that a little, in a little bit. Robert Denton, uh, I watched this game from the other room with earmuffs on, holding my nose and barely glancing at Twitter. <laughs> and he says, is it time to admit the critics are correct? The Celtics can't show up for big games. Now, I will say, as upset as I am about this, the Celtics have shown up for big games this season. They have some big wins. They beat a bunch of good teams. And this right here, the back-to-back, disappointing, horribly disappointing. Not going to dismiss this. Not going to minimize how dis- disappointing this is. But the Celtics have had big wins. And again, they are one of five teams in the NBA that have had more than 50 wins this season. So that tells you a lot about what the Celtics team can be. And so I'm not going to just dismiss what the Celtics have done, who they are, what they what they might be. When you win 63% of your NBA games, when you do that, you're a really good team. And every really good team has bad stretches. We just got beaten last night by, or whenever you listen to this two nights ago, the Cleveland game. We got beaten by a Cleveland team that was answering all of these same questions and came out and beat the Celtics. And all of a sudden, everybody says, oh, they're back. They got one more win than us. They've won 65.5% of their games. We've won 63.3% of our games. We're a, we're a game and a half behind them in the standings. And all of a sudden, they, the, the perception is that the Celtics are, oh my God, they're just so shitty. And the, the Cavaliers are once again basketball gods. 
So don't overreact to little things. I'm, I'm expressing emotion in this game, but let's not overreact to, to a few of these things. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Sam. No, I think that's the, that, I mean, it's, it's what Celtics Twitter does. I don't want to deny them. They're like their birthright of overreacting sure. to games. That's what they're here for. But, uh, I feel like it's our job as to kind of be the calming voice of reason to just uh, combat that and just say, it's all going to be all right. And it might not be all right, but uh, just <laughs> you have to be so optimistic heading into the games. It can't be doom and gloom because it's just, it's just not as fun. And then you become like uh, Tony Maz or like uh, Dan Lifshack. And just <laughs> it's just, that's no fun. That's not a good way to operate life. So everyone no. calm down. Take a breath. The Celtics are going to be either a two or three seed in the playoffs, a 50-win team. At the start of the season, uh, if anyone making predictions, the more optimistic predictions, they would have put them exactly in this slot. So let's just be happy that we have a good basketball team and we're going to be watching some playoff basketball soon. Yes, I agree with that. Um, Okay, Uh, the next question comes from... Oh, let's see. I just lost it. Jake Bale at jbales96. What in the name of dear Jesus has happened to Linux three-point shooting? He was in the combo in the convo for three-point contest last year. That's an excellent question, and I, I think part of it was, was attributed, I would attribute it to uh, some sort of, uh, he kind of regressed a little bit, a lot of upfakes, a lack of aggra- aggression here. For the month of March, he shot 28% from three. That's Marcus Smart territory. Uh, he he has, uh, let's see, two of five going into tonight's game. And tonight he was 0 of five. So two of 10, 20%. That brings him down to less than 28% over March and April. After shooting... in February, 40% in January, 30%, 31% in December. So over the past month plus, Kelly Olenek has cratered from three. Uh, But I will say that he has played tremendously well around the basket. And we commented on that in our notes throughout the game that he, he is suddenly in the paint and closer to the basket been really really good and is it an either or thing for Kelly Olenek that doesn't make sense I feel like he can be a really really good three-point shooter and also pretty good down low I I guess I'll chalk it up to a bad month because Kelly Olenek is generally a better three-point shooter than 20 you know 27 something percent from from three over the course of a month yeah, I think I'm just going to say it's like he's going to get better. I think it's kind of a, like a regression to the mean thing is that you, he's very streaky. We saw him last year where he was shooting, what, like 50% from three? I think it's just kind of being in rhythm and being um, just comfortable. And I don't know – I don't think there's any rhyme or reason. And, like, I'm not like a shot mechanics expert, but it's just the fact that he is – shooting this poorly from three and still making a positive contribution, I think shows a, a progression in his game because I think earlier versions of Kelly Olenek, if he's not knocking down those shots, then he's really not playing with any confidence whatsoever. And the the fact that he's able kind of to play through that 
Um, of course, you'd rather have him make shots, but it's a positive sign that he's actually I've, – we, I've been really impressed with his uh, plays around the rim and his ability to do that kind of reverse layup, the, the catch and immediately go up on the other side of the rim um, is kind of a skill unique to Kelly Olynyk, and it's, it's been impressive. So, yeah, his, his shooting hopefully it returns, but he's, he's kind of your, your best big off the bench right now, so you're gonna, you have to roll with him at this point. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, he, he can be, uh, a real important player, uh, off the bench. Uh, he's, he's, he's critical to this team's success. He's absolutely critical. Uh, okay. Let's just roll through this box score real quick, just for some quick notes again, before we get to jam's junk drawer, uh, Jake Crowder, uh, 24 points, a plus 12 in a, in a game where the Celtics were just kind of getting blown out for most of it. it just shows that he, with the elbow injury, uh, a nice bounce back game for him in 36 minutes, nine of 14 shooting four of seven from three. That's a real critical performance for him to be to, to, to shoot that. Well, uh, I like how he was used in the second quarter. I think that's something we might watch for in the playoffs. Uh, Avery Bradley, his shot still struggled with his shot managed 17 points was a minus 14, which was second worst. We'll get to the worst in a second. Six of 19 shooting, one of eight from three. Bradley, another aberration. I want to say that's a total aberration. Like, that's not going to continue in the playoffs. I think he's still, we can't hold that against him. If we were sitting here last night saying, here's a guy that was struggling because of the uh, stomach bug, and then he went on a back-to-back travel from home on the road, and then went out and, and still had another bad shooting night. Not shocking. So I'll give him a pass. I don't know, Sam. What do you think? I I mean, he's got to get his Pedialyte. He's got to get something like Pedialyte. You're. I don't I, know what's he what. I appreciate you angling for a Pedialyte sponsorship on the show. Hey man, I heard your or your called sponsors last show, and I'm just I'm open to anyone. He needs. He needs something just because his his shot's not falling, and even tonight it was short. You're right. I think, um, I think it's going to come back. Like everything would suggest that he's developed into a consistent outside shooter, and he's just kind of recovering right now and getting back into the rhythm. So I'm not concerned uh, for the playoffs, but right now I d- it's it's hurting the team because they are so reliant on someone scoring other than Isaiah Thomas. So, but I'm I'm not too concerned because I I have faith in him just over the body of work of his, the past two seasons. He's been a consistent outside shooter. Again, Marcus Smart with a big big shooting game. I guess we should have seen this coming because it's such a Marcus Smart thing to do. After last night's game, everybody was so, so critical about Marcus Smart for good reason. I mean, he, it, it's just been he's just been killed because he hasn't been able to shoot for the past couple of months. So it's not shocking to me, and it shouldn't be shocking to regular Celtics fans that he somehow whipped off a 54.5% shooting night, 55% from three, five of nine, for 18 points, seven assists, four rebounds. It's just... Six steals, too. (laughs) Six steals, yes. Just a typical Marcus Smart, huge night to throw off the, the entire curve of his shooting like he he was due for one of these crazy nights 
Now let's get to Isaiah Thomas for because I wrote in our notes at one point during this game, he came in and Atlanta went in went on a run. And I thought, Jesus Christ, for some all of a sudden it's like opposite day. Isaiah Thomas comes in and the other team goes in a run. Isaiah Thomas, 10 of 21, 47.5%. That's not bad for him. 4 of 8 from 3, 11 of 13 from the line, 35 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, team worst, minus 20. Now, that the, the, the daily plus minus can be deceiving. Sometimes it tells you something. Sometimes it lies to you. But it was just weird that Isaiah Thomas had these spurts where he came in and I guess Atlanta just maybe took advantage. And when you look at Dennis Schroeder, 18 points, three of five from three, he had a big game. And so, well, big game for him. I, I, I think today was a game where Isaiah Thomas had big numbers, but not a big, I guess, impact. I I don't think he's a great matchup, uh, especially defensively against the Hawks. Schroeder's a little bit bigger than him. We saw Schroeder um, kind of do a nice job um, taking threes on the outside and driving. I'm not sure exactly what the issue is, and I think it's you're right. You're getting caught up in the daily daily plus minus is not the best idea. But the the Celtics did fall down 16 points in the first half, and they weren't playing great team defense. Um, Really, whatsoever. I I can't. I don't know. I can't read too much into this game. That I think I thought was was interesting is we learned tonight from, I think it was Kristen Ledlow that he has. We learned why he has that that, that weird jazz belt he was wearing in the past couple of games because he's been playing with a bruised hip. He also had that weird like heel type injury. Um, do you think it would be wise to sit Isaiah Thomas for? Um, maybe one of these final three games just to try to get him more rest moving into the playoffs. Because if you need to do like preventative care during the game and with him being such a small guy who takes so many kind of hard falls to the floor, I mean, all the science says that maybe like a little bit of rest wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily hurt. So I don't know. I I'm in like, yeah, I'm, I'm in for it too, because these three games really shouldn't um, matter too much. I mean, if, there's a chance that you could fall to the three C, but really it doesn't matter if you have a, a non hundred percent Isaiah Thomas. So I'm definitely open to the idea of him sitting uh, possibly against a, in the Brooklyn game or um, in that Bucks game. Well, uh, I don't know if the Bucks are going to be playing something, but why not sit him in that Brooklyn game? But just because the Celtics should be able to win that uh, without his services. I think, I think they can sit him. I think Honestly, sit him, let's see, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, just send him home, play either Brooklyn or, or, or Milwaukee, let him get his rhythm, keep his rhythm a little bit, but I would say from Atlanta, send him home to, to, to Boston. And I'm going to Charlotte. I'm going to that game this weekend. And I that that would mark the second straight Celtics game that I've been to as a fan without Isaiah Thomas. But I'm I'm happy. To just there's no need to 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 win that game. The Celtics have uh, what's their lead here in the conference? Two game lead in the in the conference with three games to go. They've pretty much solidified that second seed. I would say go ahead, send them home. 
and either play Brooklyn or Milwaukee. Uh, from a selfish standpoint, I want to say Brooklyn because I've got a bet on the Brooklyn Nets this year. I bet a coworker that the Nets wouldn't win 20 games. And this late run that they're on could cost me a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue. So that's a, it's a big bet. And I was like pretty confident and they won on this big run. So I'd like the Celtics to kind of beat the beat the Nets on a personal level, but I think realistically he could sit those those next couple of games and play the Bucks just to get his rhythm back and go into the playoffs. I think that's that's a good plan for, for the Celtics. No, I completely agree. His health and he, we see how important he is to the team. It just feels like you want your players as rested as possible. And I, I have faith in the Celtics to win two of the next three games and like solidify that two seed. So um, why not go for it? I mean, the the Nets, you basically solidify with the Nets losing tonight that they're good. They're going to be in the top two positions. So I don't think there's that much to worry about for the Celtics. So why not just kind of gear yourself going to the playoffs? Maybe get the, the second unit more reps with just kind of trying to like run the offense without Isaiah because they're going to need to figure something out. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Ready for some junk? <laughs> ready for some junk. Let's go. Jam's junk drawer. Let's blow through this sucker. Go. All right. Well, okay. Kevin Harlan was on the broadcast, right? Yeah. Okay. So at one point he referenced a story about Olivia Harlan, his daughter. Um, but he just referenced her by name because she's the sideline reporter for the Hawks. He just referenced her by name, but didn't mention he was, uh, that's his daughter. I thought that was weird. You know, it was, just, uh, it, it was kind of bizarre. Okay. Um, moving on. So I was watching the, the, uh, the Reddit NBA streams feed. So I got to the, the Hawks live game broadcast and there was a kiss cam and there were some real awkward kiss cams where there were like two people who didn't want to kiss. Um, that's hilarious. That's the most entertaining thing in the world. <laughs> watch a feed of that for an hour straight. If I was the kiss cam camera guy, I would search out people who are strangers, just try to make relationships happen. The best one I ever saw when I was in the TD Garden was two people, and they was like, no, no. And the, like, the camera was lingering and lingering, and finally the girl was like, you could see her mouth, that's my brother. And the whole crowd went, oh! <laughs> Ew. I'm all for kiss cam hijinks. Um. Atlanta's got some crazy music and some crazy guests going on. Monica performed at halftime, but then at one break, they had just a dance tunnel of fans, and they were dancing to Planet Rock, and it was badass. I was all for that. I think the Celtics need to um, maybe just play more Planet Rock is what I'm uh, asking for. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Mike Muscala, he sucks. I hate him. He's got a stupid haircut. Uh, don't care about anyone who's ever played in the Patriot League except for C.J. McCollum. Hate Mike Muscala. And finally, I'm going to uh, shots fired at a fellow member of Celtics Twitter. I get really frustrated whenever um, Greeny from um, Barstool complains about free throws because they're like missed free throws. Uh, the Celtics are the third best free throw shooting team in the entire league. Missed free throws are going to happen in basketball. And yes, I understand they're frustrating at the time. But it's just like right. there's so many other things to complain about with like their team. Just like I don't know, it just really irrationally just like gets my gears. Like I'm also frustrated when the Celtics miss free throws, but for some reason, him tweeting about it really pisses me off. That's fair. 
That's fair. I get it. I get it. In, in the moment, yep, you're, you you miss a couple of free throws. Those are clutch free throws. People, for some reason, after the five-minute mark, expect 100% free throw shooting. And no team has ever done that. So the Celtics are leading the league at what? With something like 83%, I'm going right to say? Right now, they're at uh, 80.8%. With okay. The two teams above them are at 81%. So they're okay. like not far behind. Right. So as a team, and even even uh, even Isaiah Thomas, he's near the top, and he's shooting like ninety one percent. So that means that he's going to miss nine percent of the time. So he's going to miss every few every every so often. He's going to miss a few shots. It's like that's just going to happen, and it pisses me off too at the moment. But I'm with you. Uh, I, I just want to mention a couple of things if I can add to the James drunk oh, drawer. The junk drawer is full of junk. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, uh, Kent Bazemore, I, I just I can't get over the fact that he's exactly Chance the Rapper. He is <laughs> completely Chance the Rapper just with a jersey on. There's absolutely no physical difference between the two of them at all. So you typed that note into our notes. You said something about Chance the Rapper. He's playing well, but he's a bit overpaid. And, but you didn't reference that you thought they were similar looking, and I just did not get that note whatsoever. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you explained it now because yes. I was well confused. Kent Bazemore looks exactly like Chance the Rapper, and I can't get over it. I know I've mentioned it before on Twitter. Other people have mentioned it. I, I just can't. They're separated at birth. They have to be. Do a DNA test on the two of them. And... I just want to. I feel like the Celtics equipment manager kind of was given the wrong schedule. The Celtics road jersey at home and home jersey in the road irrationally, irrationally irritates me, bothers me beyond belief. For and it's not like it shouldn't bother me. I get that's just weird things, and the 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 Hawks wanted to do their kind of throwback to the Pistol Pete era, weird blue, green, white jerseys and, and so it made more sense to have the Celtics wear white you know in 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 reality that's not a big deal but god damn it it bugs me to see the road jerseys at home and the home jerseys on the road it's 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 irrational I don't I this my next thought has no basis in fact whatsoever and I understand the um like if the Hawks want to do a weird jersey that the like the Celtics have to do it but I have a, like a sneaking feeling that um, whatever Isaiah Thomas wants, that's what happens. Like I feel like he like he mm. can just choose whatever the jersey is. I know this applies to socks; they wear teams colored socks, and Isaiah chooses to that. So I have no reason to dis, uh, discount the fact that maybe I think they just go to him and Isaiah's like, "What what kind of jerseys you want to wear tonight?" And I think then <laughs> Isaiah makes the decision. That's the way I choose to believe it happens. Uh, it it you may not be wrong. You may not be wrong. All right. Uh, amazingly, we've gone for more than half an hour on a show that I really wanted to do three minutes on. We've done 30. So we started that complaint about going too long and now we have gone. Here we are. We, we have, we have, we have become the thing that we hate. Isn't that how it always goes? How ironical. Uh, all right. So the Celtics lose again to the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, final score in this one, 123-116. 123-116, Celtics lose to the Hawks. But they are still the second seed, and they're pretty solidified in that. We can we can bank on that. We'll see how the standings pan out 
the rest of the way. Next up for the Celtics, uh, the Charlotte Hornets on Saturday, then Brooklyn on Monday, Milwaukee on Wednesday, and that's the end of the regular season. It is over. We'll be here to talk about it here in the Rain and Jays podcast, Locked On Celtics podcast with the Rain and Jays. Wow, old school. Uh, if you have not subscribed, search for Locked On Celtics wherever you get your podcast: iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere, the TuneIn app, anywhere you get your podcast. If you have not rated us five stars, please do so. We really, 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 really like it when you do. Really. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Celtics podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, J. King and John Corrales, Locked On Celtics, Millies. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.